Well, anyway, today we are in Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. So let's read that passage, then we will pray and get started. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. All right, let's pray and then we'll get started. God, I pray that you would open up the scriptures to us this morning with your spirit. I pray that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, use your word to transform us, give us the marks of Jesus, and uh, make us more like your son. In his name we pray, amen. All right, so I have always been intrigued by tattoos. My dad has had, uh, had tattoos most of my life. My mom has one or two. And I have been planning my tattoos since high school. So I decided to get some. These were pretty cheap tattoos. Uh, the artist gave me 50% off if I let him pick what I was going to get. So, you know, I've got a green uh, catfish and some brass knuckles and a bird and a snake and a flaming eye. I'm just kidding. These aren't real. I mean, they were cheap, but they're not real. Uh, but it is true, I have always wanted to get tattoos. Uh, so my tattoo plan goes something like this. On my left arm, I would want a scripture reference that says, God himself will provide the lamb. And on my right arm, it would say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The left arm is a reference in Genesis. So in Genesis, there's this story where God calls his servant Abraham to test him. And he tells him to sacrifice his own son, whom God had promised to Abraham. So he gathers the wood, brings his grown son, and they hike up the mountain to sacrifice him. And his son says, Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham answers him, God himself will provide the lamb. At the end of the story, God stops Abraham right before he's uh, about to sacrifice his son. And he does provide another sacrifice, but it's not quite a lamb. It's actually a ram. And that's because this story ultimately points to Jesus as the New Testament refers to him as the lamb of God. Then on my right arm, which would say worthy is the lamb who was slain, is a reference to the last book of the Bible, the revelation of John. And in this book, there is an image of a slain lamb who is king and is ruling the new creation and is being worshipped by all the peoples of God and all the angelic beings. And they say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. So this is a picture of the risen Jesus 
who was slain, but is now exalted to the place of kingship and honor and glory and blessing forever. So then, with these two tattoos on my arms, when I'm holding an open Bible, my left hand with the Genesis reference is holding on to Genesis. And my right arm with the Revelation reference is holding on to Revelation. And in between is the Holy Scriptures that all point to Jesus as that lamb, the beginning and the end. And it is this story, the story that's found in the Bible about Jesus that I want to consume me and transform me and make me more like Jesus. So I searched for the right tattoo shop. I called and made an appointment. I saved up my money. But then a week before my appointment, I chickened out because I had a dream. And in my dream, I had gotten my tattoos. And in my dream, I felt more regret than physically possible. It was surreal. So I canceled my appointment. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll, I'll get these tattoos. So why have I always wanted these tattoos? To express my most heartfelt beliefs, to show who I am, to let other people know what drives me. A lot of people who get tattoos have meanings behind them. They may have a story of a great accomplishment or a belief or to remember a loved one. Some people get them so they can be unique from the community around them. They want to stand out. They want to be lifted up. They want others to recognize their importance or their worthiness to maybe be in a certain social group. Some people get them to communicate their values, their lifestyles, their political stances, and so on. And tattoos are not the only thing we use to show these things. We use all sorts of exterior markers to show others what we believe, or what we've accomplished, or what values we hold. It could be stickers on your car. It could be the car itself. It could be the way we cut or color our hair. It could be the way we dress. It could be the brands we choose to buy. It could be the social media posts we choose to share or retweet. It can be the flags we choose to fly. We all use these exterior markers to include or exclude ourselves from different groups or to communicate our values or to control what others think of us. And in today's passage, Paul is wrapping up his letter to the Galatians and he digs into the heart of why the false teachers, the Judaizers, are doing what they're, they're doing and why they're adding to the gospel of free salvation. Because that's what the whole letter has been about. And it's exactly this issue, communicating to others uh, to control what we think that Paul is attributing um, to the false teachers. Paul is going to show us how the Judaizers were trying to force the Galatians into taking on circumcision only so that they could boast to others, their importance, and their values. So, let's get in. Galatians 6, 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So, back in this time frame, uh, literacy was not common. Writing tools such as paper and ink were not very common. And the skills to write effectively were also not common. Ink and paper were expensive, so often scribes would train to write small and efficiently so that they could pack in a lot of text 
with as little paper and ink as possible, you know, being economical. So what most scholars think is going on here is that Paul is grabbing the pen and ink from the scribe and writing the last part of the letter himself. Why? He is trying to communicate just how strongly he feels about what he is trying to communicate to the Galatians and ultimately to us as well. That salvation comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And that adding anything to the gospel for salvation is dead wrong. So as we keep going, remember the large emphasis that Paul is putting on his final statements here. Verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So Paul here starts to dig into the motivation of the false teachers, the Judaizers. He is telling us that they are trying to make a good showing in the flesh. In the last chapter of Galatians, Galatians 5, Paul has been explaining the difference to us between living in the flesh versus living in the spirit. Paul paints a picture for us that what living in the flesh looks like. Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and so on. Another way to say the flesh is the human nature. The works of the flesh focus around our selfishness, our desires, our interests, oftentimes at the expense of others and definitely at the expense of our relationship with God. At the same time, Paul tells us that the works of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The works of the Spirit are produced in just the opposite way. We focus on our relationship with God, walking with Him constantly, and it produces a selflessness that maintains a deep concern for our relationship with God and others. So in this verse, in uh, 6.12, Paul is taking the actions of the Judaizers to force circumcision on the Gentiles using it as an opportunity to make a good showing of themselves. And he is firmly planting that, motive, uh, that uh, action on the pile of works of flesh. They are concerned for themselves. They are concerned with being able to boast about making more converts to their twisting of the gospel, believing that Jesus plus anything else, circumcision in this case, saves them. So in this verse, verse 12, Paul says that they were also trying to avoid persecution which was a serious and real concern. We see the per persecution against the early church get kicked off very soon after the church gets started. And Paul himself is involved in bringing that persecution against the church. It's kind of ironic. The author of the letter we're writing now, talking about them avoiding persecution, used to be bringing it against the church. So he knows intimately the struggle at hand. And we see that in Acts 8, verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. 
and they were all scattered and throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So they hung out in Jerusalem. Verse 3, but Saul was ravaging the church. So just in case you don't know, before he converted, Saul, uh, uh, Paul went by the name Saul. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So why the persecution? Why the persecution? Because Christianity is a descendant of Judaism. The early Christians didn't see themselves as something different. They saw themselves as Jews who had recognized the promised Messiah whom the nation of Israel had been waiting for for a long time. The Jewish people also saw the Christians as Jews, but because Jesus made so many claims to having equality with God, they thought the Christian Jews were going after idol worship. And then now that Paul was so actively converting Gentile converts to this subsect of Judaism, they were offended that they were worshiping Yahweh, but not even doing the first step, the first step of following the law, which is circumcision. Circumcision being the first step of following the law. The law of Moses taught that circumcision was required to be a Jew who followed God. And the first step in following the law was circumcision. I mean, Jewish baby boys were circumcised at day eight. So to put it in other words, the classical Jews, we'll call them, the classical Jews were violently upset at the Christian Jews for opening up worship of Yahweh to the unclean non-Jews without requiring them to follow their classical rules, just like they had been doing for thousands of years. So the classical Jews were motivated by a heart to keep Judaism pure and in their control, keeping separation from Gentiles that kept things in their control and kept the classic Jews righteous in their own eyes. All that to say, the false teachers, the Judaizers, causing trouble for the Galatians were insisting on circumcision to boast of themselves and to avoid persecution from these classical Jews. They were motivated by flesh, by their human nature, and not by the Spirit of God. All right, going back to Galatians Chapter 6, verse 13. Oh, that's not it. There we go. Verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Paul is providing further proof that this is all only for boasting. These Judaizers don't even practice circumcision for what it truly is. It is a physical sign and commitment to follow the whole law of Moses. And Paul should know this well. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said he was blameless as for following the law. And, and Paul spent plenty of times with these guys, with these Judaizers. In Acts 15, it records that Paul had had plenty of debate with these guys. So this implies that they were together for a while. Paul could see that these false teachers didn't follow the law themselves, but only use circumcision as an opportunity to boast about themselves, 
to use circumcision for the Galatians to further boast. Talking about, you know, boasting in their ability to convert, boasting in their ability to persuade, you know, something like that. All right, continuing on with verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is not boasting in works of his own or in works of the Galatians. If Paul boasts, it is in the cross of Jesus alone. So two thoughts here. Number one, what an odd thing to be boasting about. Boasting about the death of his Messiah, the death of the promised King that he had been waiting for. Boasting in the extreme meekness of Christ. Boasting in the opposite of arrogance or power or force or persecution or great works of might. But instead, boasting in meekness and humility and sacrifice and selflessness. You just, you just don't do this. It'd be like boasting that you're homeless or dirt poor. It was strange. Thought number two, what the work of Jesus on the cross has done is create a separation between clean and unclean, but not along the lines of circumcision and rule following or along the lines of surface level self-righteousness that classical Jews wanted, but rather along the lines flesh and spirit that Paul had been talking about up to this point. When Paul says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, he is saying that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is a hard and permanent separation between a believer and those who do not believe. Why? Because when we place faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and accept his free gift of forgiveness and reconciliation with God, we are made alive in the Spirit. The Spirit of God enters us and begins to influence us. Our flesh and human nature is crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. We are a new creation. We are no longer spiritually dead like the world is. So that is why Paul writes the next verse, verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what does count, but a new creation. Like I already said, the separation is not between those circumcised and those not circumcised any longer. It is not about self-righteous rule following. Instead, it's between those who have been born again and those who have not, between the new creation and the old. So what is meant by this new creation Idea. Well, in several places, the Old and New Testaments point to God remaking the heavens and the earth. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. 2 Peter 3, 13 says, But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus on the cross, cross initiates the start 
of this new creation. It is through faith in Jesus on the cross that we are born again. We are made into a new creation. We are the first act of God making the heavens and the earth new. So what is Paul saying when he says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation? He means the old is done. The old covenant of law following in order to show that you are a member of God's people, that's gone. Jesus was the only one who could perfectly fulfill the law, and he did so on our behalf. What matters now is the new creation that God has started in my heart and in your heart. It starts internally through faith in Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as your King, as the one who did the work of salvation for you. He offers you forgiveness of your sin, reconciliation to God, a new heart to make you a new creation. Will you accept it? Will you boast in the cross of Christ instead of what you have done? Will you leave behind your attempts to have outward markings of your own righteousness, boasting in your flesh for others to see? Will you allow Christ to give you a new heart? Or will you insist on finding your own marks of righteousness that won't actually end up counting for anything? Friends, it's no longer external rule following that achieves righteousness. And for us humans, it never could have happened in the first place. As we learned earlier in the book of Galatians, no one is capable of following the law perfectly except for Jesus Christ himself. But now, through Jesus and through his work on the cross, he offers us his righteousness. He has taken our place on the cross and we can take his place in righteousness. So we can have his spirit living in us. We can have his new heart leading us toward God and toward actual spirit-led righteous living. All right, moving on to verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So Paul here is evoking a common Jewish benediction or prayer of blessing. You can find at least two examples in scripture, one in Psalm 128, where it says, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And then similarly in uh, Psalm 125, Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. What Paul is doing is taking these blessings that were meant for the whole people of Israel, and he is invoking them here to further make his point that he fully believes Those who are not circumcised, but do have faith in Jesus, are included as the people of God by their faith. And as as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. 
And you can see at the end, he's, he's adjusted it a little bit. The Psalms we looked at ended with uh, upon Israel, but this he adds Israel of God. He is saying the blessing for peace and mercy is not only for those who are of the nation of Israel by heritage, but for the Israel of God, the people of God, those who are new creations through Jesus. Peace and mercy is for them, for they are the real Israel of God. It is the work of Jesus on the cross that makes us right with God and not our exterior work. Paul is saying it is faith in Jesus that makes us a part of the people of God. It reminds me of when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and they were claiming to be sons of Abraham. And he said that he could make sons of Abraham from these rocks. It doesn't matter about your heritage. It matters about where your faith is placed. Moving on to verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Here, Paul is turning toward his challengers, the Judaizers, and those who support what they are teaching. And he is telling them two things. Number one, he is done debating and done having trouble with this issue. So leave me alone, he said. We're not talking about this anymore. And number two, he is showing a stark contrast between the marks he carries on his body, contrasting them against the mark the Judaizers are trying to force on the Galatians. Paul carries the marks of his own suffering for the name of Jesus. He is referring to the scars of his recorded 138 lashings, his near-death stoning, his three times being beaten with rods, his destroyed social reputation as a man who was zealous for the God of Israel. He received all of these marks from the very Jews the Judaizers are trying to impress and please. The very Jews who denied Jesus as Messiah and crucified him on the cross. What the Judaizers wanted were physical marks that would give them acceptance and peace with man, avoiding suffering and avoiding persecution. What Paul had were marks that reminded him that he was at peace with God. Not worried about peace with man right now, but peace with God. But not because of his wounds, not because of Paul's wounds. Paul's wounds only reminded him of the marks on the body of Jesus that made the way for us all to have peace and mercy with God. By his, by his wounds, we are healed, says prophet Isaiah. Matthew 16, 24, and 25 say, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The Judaizers wanted to keep their life. They wanted to adjust the offensiveness of the gospel of Jesus so that they could appease the Jews. They wanted Jesus, but not the cross. When Paul says, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, he is saying, you can see that I preach the true gospel of Jesus because they treat me the same way they treated him. 
Here is a quote from J.V. Fesco, and he says this about Paul's marks. Paul, on the other hand, only wanted to be marked by Christ. The marks he carried were the marks of the new creation. Self-congratulatory boasting marked the Judaizers. Paul only wanted to boast in the cross of Christ. Only Christ brings the promise of the new heavens and earth through the cross. When you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, just as Paul said in our passage today, the world is crucified to us and we are crucified to the world. So then you must ask yourself, who is deciding the gospel that you believe? Who is deciding your definition of righteousness? Is it from the Bible? Do you submit to the offensive yet true gospel that you have nothing to add to your righteousness or salvation? Do you submit to the gospel that tells us the only thing that we can boast in is the work of Christ and nothing else? Or do you adjust the gospel to placate those who may persecute you while they deny Jesus? Do you tell yourself, and others, that there are some good works in all of us that earn us credit with God. Put another way, the gospel of Christ is the only thing worth our boasting because it produces marks of Jesus. Following the true gospel will produce marks of Jesus in the form of persecution. That is very true. But more importantly, following the true gospel, which is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone as our Savior. It produces marks of Jesus in the form of new life in God, becoming a new creation, receiving a new heart, receiving forgiveness, experiencing peace and mercy with God, having confidence in future resurrection, finding God's purpose for you in life, being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. So here is our reflection question for today. Are you after the marks of Jesus or the circumcision of the Judaizers? I'm going to end this last sermon of the Galatians series with the last verse of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are often tempted to, to placate those around us who are denying Christ, to, to adjust the gospel so that it's a little bit less offensive. But God, I pray that your spirit would help us to hold fast to the truth of the gospel, that we have nothing to add to our salvation, that we do not have goodness or righteousness to, to make our salvation happen, but it is only in the cross. We can only boast in the cross of Christ. Help us to allow that truth to transform us. Make us more like your son. Help us to more fully depend on him and his work for us. We praise your name. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us first. Amen.